Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey, how's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle Podcast. Jamie Eads joining you as I do each and every week. This is episode 104. I hope everybody's having a good week out there. We've got uh, all kinds of crazy stuff happening in the United States. You know, I've, I've done these intros for the past, I don't know, 10 weeks talking about Uh, the coronavirus pandemic and how we're all in quarantine. And, you know, last week we were starting to open back up and now we have civil unrest in the country due to racial injustice that has just continued for far too long. Um, Please stay safe out there. Be peaceful, be respectful, model human decency to your neighbors And that's all the sermon you're going to get from me this week. I truly wish everybody well. Uh, And if you're so inclined, pray for our country, give good vibes to our country for healing. Guys, we have a fantastic episode today. I'm going to be joined by a young up and coming drummer that everybody should know about. Uh, He is uh, on the artist roster at Los Cabos Drumsticks with me. He is a wonderful content creator all across social media, and he's doing just amazing things as a drummer. I'm going to be joined by the great John Foster right after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand, and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned in the intro, we're about to be joined by John Foster. Uh, John is a young drummer uh, who is getting it done. Uh, He's been playing with acts uh, like Justin Nazuka, Tanika Charles. Uh, He has toured all across the world, uh, you know, uh, here in North America, Europe, Asia, Australia. Uh, He's been featured in Rolling Stone uh, magazine. He's just got a ton of cool stuff going on. And he is a wonderful content creator over on the YouTube, you know, video platform. Uh, He's got tons of followers on Instagram. Uh, this is a young guy that received um, uh, the uh, Ella Fitzgerald Award for Jazz Performance at York University up in Toronto. He's splitting his time between Canada and LA. Everybody should know who this young man is because he is getting it done. He is one to watch in the future. And of course, one of the best things, as I mentioned, he and I are both proud artists uh, with Lost Cabo Drumsticks. So y'all are going to get a lot out of this. I know. Please help me welcome to the drum shuffle, John Foster. Hey, good afternoon, John. How's it going? It's going great. How you doing, Jamie? 
Man, I can't complain too much, uh, you know, other than living through a global pandemic where we're not allowed to have any human contact with anyone outside our four walls. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm in the same boat. I guess pandemic or not, though, you're in Kentucky and I'm in Toronto. So this is the closest we're going to get. Yes, very true. And, you know, we <laughs> we, we spoke right before uh, we started the interview. You know, the, the thing that I miss most for sure is getting in a room with other musicians. And uh, I, I know you're probably struggling with that as well. Yes. Absolutely. Well, so I mean, it's a strange time because that's that's what we're all used to doing. We, we play with different bands. Some of us, I'm a session drummer myself, so I play with a lot of different artists and not getting to see them, not getting to play with them. It's a strange thing. It's, it's not part of the norm. Yeah, for sure. Now I, I'm curious, do you have, um, you know, like a home studio or something of, of uh, like that so that you can at least do remote tracks or are you more beholden to going to a, a studio? So, Currently, I split my time between Toronto and Los Angeles, and down in L.A., I have a space that's my go-to space with a drum set and kind of a semi-permanent recording setup, but now I'm back in Toronto right now, and to be honest, I've just got my drum set up in my parents' garage, and I've got a little mobile recording rig that's set up in there with a couple of cameras, and it's make-do, but it works. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I, you know, my my best friend and, you know, what I would call my, you know, lifelong musical partner has a great studio here in central Kentucky, um, but I haven't seen it since late February, early March. So, right. <laughs> I, you know, I'm having a little bit of withdrawal. Um, before we get too far down that rabbit hole, I, I will come back to that. So I'm making a mental note, but I want to do kind of what we traditionally do here at the Drum Shuffle, and I, I want to introduce our listeners to your background. You're a native Canadian, correct? That's correct. Okay, so tell us all where you grew up and, and how you got into drumming to begin with, and then we'll kind of go from there. Absolutely. So when I was a kid, <laughs> how it always starts, when I was a kid growing up in Pickering, which was a town just outside of Toronto, it's actually where Sean, uh, Sean Mendez is from. Okay. And he and, I went, he and I went to the same high school. I'm a little older than him, so we never crossed paths, but that's my high school's claim to fame now. Um, I started playing drums when I was about 11, and I saved up for a year with a paper route, bought a kit, and basically taught myself right up until I went to university for music. And then I went to two universities, York University, just north of Toronto, and then the University of Toronto. And I studied jazz performance. And uh, after graduating, I got into session drumming with various pop and R&B artists like Justin Nazuka, Tanika Charles, um, this guy, Sean Desmond, not to be confused with Sean Mendez. And uh, yeah, that just kind of became my whole world ever since 2014 I've been spending about six or seven months of the year on the road touring, uh, whether that's North America or Europe, Australia, a few times, I've been really fortunate to go over there. And, uh, in the past couple of years, since I've had more time, you know, back at home, uh, in Toronto and LA splitting my time, I started getting into composition and I've been, kind of working my way into the TV and film composition world as well. So it's been a really awesome uh, balance of session drumming and composing, producing, working on music at home. Gotcha. All right. So let's, if you, if you'll indulge me, I want to unpack that just a little bit. Um, it, what immediately caught my ear there was, you know, I bought my first kit and I taught myself how to play up until university. So the age old question here. All right. If you're self self-taught, you know, that's the school I came from, right. Is just completely yeah. self-taught. Um, did you teach yourself to read 
and and all that goes along with that before university, or were you a non-reader up until college? I would say I was not a great reader up until college. Um, in my high school, we did have a music program, so I did learn basic music theory. Um, I would learn, you know, certain rudiments and uh, certain drum set notation. Uh, I never had any formal training outside of high school in terms of studying drumming. So up until college, yeah, I, I would say that I was, I was pretty mediocre at best in terms of my reading. And then college really kicked me into gear. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think once you get to the college level, if you're doing, you know, any sort of percussion, whether it's drum set or orchestral percussion, you have to have mad reading chops to make it, I think. Yeah, I think they, they were fairly lenient with me when I got in. Um, and they were they were actually pretty straightforward about the fact that I needed to spend the first few months really digging in and honing that. Okay. All right. Well, and you know, because look, if you're getting into the world of film and TV, you know, I mean, I've had multiple past guests on, you know, Bernie Dressel immediately comes to mind. Uh, the great Billy Sullivan, you know, composer, drummer. Um, and, yeah. and those guys are like, look, you, you get four free beats. <laughs> they hand you the music the minute you walk in you get for free on the click and then you better come in on bar one and, and nail it. You know, that's, you know, that's how TV and movie scoring works in any way, according to those guys. And, um, you know, that's reading chops that a guy like me, I'm just never going to have that. You know, I mean, I can muddle my way through, uh, uh, you know, if you give me enough time, I can read through a chart and kind of get an idea of what's going on. But beyond that, it's, it's going to be lost on me. So kudos to you for, you know, buckling down and, and getting those chops. And, you know, I, I guess, thankfully, you know, the college was like, look, if you can do this in the first six months, you, you're going to be good. That's, that's good experience. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So, um, who are some of, you know, your personal influences? If you started at a young age, you know, and, and you're, you're a lot younger than me. Um, you know, I, I'm yeah. old, <laughs> I'm an old guy, <laughs> but you know, who did you grow up listening to? Who were the influences and the inspirations for you? Oh man, a huge influence at the time was Travis Barker. Blink-182 okay. was a really popular band with the kids that were my age. And so I was listening to him all the time, and I was checking out you know, anything I could find online, videos of him playing old marching snare drum things, and um, obviously Blink-182 videos, seeing him play. And that kind of got me into a bit of a punk rock era. Okay. And so I went, to, went through a punk rock phase where all I was doing was trying to play as fast as I could, you know, kick, snare, kick, kick, snare <laughs> on speed. Yeah, 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 sure. And that was very popular, um, you know, at that time. It was kind of the, uh, you know, I'm no musicologist, but would that be the third wave of punk, punk music uh, in the States? I mean, I don't know, I, but I think, you know, a lot of those bands, you know, Blink-182, The Offspring, Green Day, um, you know, that was hugely influential on a whole generation of, of musicians, right? Big time. And then, you know, of course, there was still influence from people like John Bonham, you know, hearing that on my parents' stereo and just wanting to play those big triplet fills and, you know, <laughs> yeah. make my bass drum sound as big as it possibly could. I know you mentioned before this interview that you're getting into bigger drums. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think our instrument is, is interesting in that, it, you know, <laughs> guitarists, and I'm not picking on guitarists, but if they're playing a, a blue guitar, instead of a red guitar, it's because the blue one was on sale. <laughs> you know, let's face it, right. you know, they, <laughs> they, um, you know, I, I don't know that I, I don't know for me, 
I think you can always take resonance away from a drum, but you can't add it into a drum. So you either have a, a really lively drum or a not so lively drum. Um, I think you can make a drum sound smaller. I don't think you can necessarily make one sound bigger. Um, so, huh, you know, I never thought about it like that. Yeah. So, and that's just, you know, 30 years of me playing, you know, different drums, different drum sets, you know, different backline kits. Um, I, I'm to the point now, I, I don't play out enough that I have to have, uh, you know, I, I don't want to make this about me, certainly, but for me, it's like, I would rather have something that nobody else has something weird. Right. I mean, that's just kind of, I don't know. That's just kind of where I'm at in my career. And I want drums that'll ring all day long and sound huge because you can undo that in the studio, but you can't necessarily do the opposite of that in the studio, if that makes sense. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. So, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, you know, young guys like you are still listening to Bonham because <laughs> I think that's the rock, <laughs> the rock and roll touchstone. You, you know what I'm saying? Oh, man. You, you can't not listen to that. Yeah. You have to listen to Bonham. Yeah, for sure. So once you got done with, with university and college um, and, and all that good stuff, did you immediately say, okay, I'm going to go to LA and, and make a go of it? Or did you st- stick around Canada and, and form bands there? H- how did that work for you? I actually stuck around Toronto for quite a few years. Um, for, I guess I graduated in 2014 and I've only recently been splitting my time between Toronto and LA uh, as of 2018. So yeah, I, I spent four years in Toronto just focusing on being a player here. And I guess the way that it worked for me was by going out and networking with as many musicians as possible. I would go to jazz venues. I would go to rock venues. I would go to R&B jams. Anything that I could find out about where there were musicians who were, you know, obviously good musicians and playing music that I was interested in and who I could just go up to and talk to and say, Hey, I'm a drummer. What are you guys doing? What, what kind of stuff do you do? And from that, I met some bands. I met people like Tanika Charles, who's a soul singer from Toronto. Um, I met an indie artist named Jessica Stewart and I started touring with them. You know, they basically gave me an opportunity to play maybe a local show with them. And then once things felt good and we felt locked and they had some sort of tour opportunity, they said, Hey, do you want to go on the road? And from there it kind of snowballed into other artists and other bands, getting my contact info from those initial people or from their managers or whoever. And they said, Hey, you're a drummer and you've toured and it seems like it went well. Do you want to do it with us? Yeah. And that's kind of how it happened. Yeah. Well, and I think that's so important and you know, it's not lost on me. Nobody wants to give you the first opportunity, (laughs) right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't care if it's as, you know, as a drummer, as a lighting tech, as a, you know, I, I don't care what it is when it comes to touring, nobody wants the green guy or girl. They want somebody that has done it before because they don't feel like they have to show you all the ropes, right? Exactly. You know, so, um, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, you, you mentioned the key word in there and that is, you know, the networking. How hard is it nowadays? And, and let me back up for just a second. I, I want to get this across too for, for our non, you know, Canadian listeners, Toronto has a very vibrant art scene. I mean, I, I think we have to say that. And would, yeah. it, would it be fair for me to say that Toronto would be, you know, Canada's version of New York? Is that a fair comparison? I would say so. You would probably have some Canadians who would uh, dispute that and say Montreal is the New York, but I do think from my own experience, obviously living here, I'm fairly biased, but Toronto is like New York. 
it's like a smaller Canadian New York. Yeah, I mean, and, and there are, um, you know, it's where it's happening, I, I guess, is what I'm trying to get across. You can go see, yeah. you know, a blues band. You can go see a, a great jazz band. You can go see a great rock band. There's there's just a very vibrant art scene in Toronto. It's true. So I guess the question then is, when you were doing your networking in that scene, how hard was it to get attention as a young guy that just finished college? Honestly, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would have been. Okay. Because I think at first there was the um, kind of hesitation to go out there because it can be overwhelming. It can be kind of intimidating to go somewhere and just try to meet musicians, right? And just try to talk to them without any prior connection. But once you get out there and you start talking to them, you realize that they're just musicians too, you know? Like they're all, they're happy to connect. And I think Toronto is a very welcoming music community. So when you are green, when you are new and you're young, you can go and talk to somebody and just say, Hey, I really enjoyed your set. And they say, Hey, that's so great. You know, you're what 22, you just finished school. What kind of stuff are you doing? And then from there, you might have them invite you to another show of theirs. And that kind of builds into a relationship that can become, um, work down the line or a reference for another gig. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, so, I, think, yeah. I think that's a great point. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, obviously the welcoming nature of the Toronto music community really helped make it feel like an easy process. Um, but yeah, just getting over that hesitation, that initial hesitation to actually go out and just introduce myself and say, hey, my name's John. I'm a drummer. Yeah. Um, I, and I think that's so important in any scene. You know, um, I, I don't think there's one uh, you know, clear cut, here's how you do this. I think everybody's path is, is individual, but I, I think one of the common denominators of every success story is what you said, networking, getting your name in front yeah. of as many people as possible. And, you know, as you said, whether it be jazz, R and B, uh, rock, you know, you, you, if you say I'm only going to play in, I don't know, you know, hard rock bands, you are limiting your opportunities by saying that's all I'm going to do. Um, so, yeah. you know, sometimes you have to take a gig that you may not otherwise have taken and let that build into the next thing. Well, and that, that kind of reminds me of, uh, I remember I had a friend who went down to Manhattan school of music and he studied with a drummer uh, while he was down there, not at, at Manhattan school, but just when he was in New York, Jim Black, I'm 99% sure that's his name. And uh, the advice that he gave my friend was when you're starting out, take any and every gig that you possibly can. If somebody calls you, take the gig. Yeah. And as you start to build those relationships and, and play with more people in various genres and at different venues, or maybe you know, you start doing a little bit of touring, that experience will only help you, you know, as we mentioned before, not everybody wants a fully green person. So that experience gives you the edge to get the gig where they want somebody who's got experience, even if it's a limited experience. Yeah. That's, and I, you can start honing in what genre and what group of people you vibe with the best. Yeah. Well, it, you know, I, I don't know how much of, you know, this podcast you've listened to, but there is a long running joke, you know, the people you vibe with, it's, you know, 15% about how you play and 85% about how you ride in the van, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> you it's know, true. if you're going to be a touring musician, you got to be a good hang. That's number one. You have to play well. Oh man. You know, but you, well, can cause you, you know, too, the show is, 
0.01% of the time that you spend on the road. That is correct. The rest of the time is, you know, the lobby call or, you know, sleeping in the van, God forbid, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, um, yeah. it takes a special person to be able to do it, I think. And, you know, I, I've had people ask me before, they're like, well, you know, what's it, what's it like to be on the road? And I was like, imagine, the worst camping trip you've ever been on in your life and repeat it every day for a month. But you get to have an hour's worth of fun every day and it's the most fun yeah. you'll ever have. Um, that's kind of exactly. what touring is. I mean, would you agree with that? I would totally agree with that. I think, you know, obviously the more that you do it, the more you learn your own little, you know, as people say, like life hacks or tour hacks. Um, to make it a smoother experience. And obviously, actually, sometimes you get to play on a slightly more comfy tour. I mean, we've all played these tours that you mentioned where you might have to sleep in the van a night or two um, or three or the entire tour. But <laughs> you also get to a stage where maybe you're on a bus and yeah. it's very comfortable. You fall asleep after the gig, you wake up in the next city the next morning. Yeah. Well, I, I never got to experience that. So <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've only done one bus tour, but let me tell you, yeah, not, it was, uh, it was not, a dream. Not so bad. This doesn't suck at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Well, so, it, you know, I mean, I know that you play in a lot of different genres and in, in, you know, various musical groups. Is there anything you know, I mean, I, I don't want to take anything away from what you've done in the past, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you're at the beginning of your professional career for the most part. Um, That's right. What are you focusing on or hoping to focus on? Because, you know, some of the content that I've checked out, you know, you're you're a good jazz player. You can certainly play, you know, pop music, rock music. Is there one area that you hope to focus on more? You know, it's really interesting because when I graduated, you know, the month, the first month out of school, I said, I'm only ever going to play jazz. And then the sixth month I said, okay, I'll play a bit of pop. And then two years out of school, I said, I'm open to playing anything. <laughs> so, yeah. My door is still wide open. I haven't narrowed down any particular genre that I want to play. You know, when I have the opportunity to play R&B, it really makes me feel great in a certain way that playing pop shows to a click track with backing tracks doesn't give me. And sometimes when I get to play jazz gigs, even if it's at a small club, you know, in Toronto with less than a hundred people in the room, there's just a certain joy from it. So, I'm still figuring out, you know, what's the thing that I can do that I really love, but then, you know, obviously as I'm getting older, that also makes me a living because currently I'm doing music. I'm doing drumming and composing as my full-time career. So figuring out where those two things can connect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I mean, I think, I think for younger artists, and we talked about this a little bit, it is, it's so hard to get anyone's attention to begin with, but if you do get someone's attention, it's very, very difficult to keep their attention. Um, yeah. You, you know, it's, um, and I make this joke on the show at least once a month, the good news is anybody can make a good record. The bad news is anybody can make a good record, right? It's <laughs> it's a double-edged yeah. sword because, you know, the, the bar to put out music is lowered every day. You know, I mean, you can make a fantastic sounding record in your bedroom, Billie Eilish. Um, yeah. You know, but there's so many releases every week. How do you sort through that and figure out what's good, what's just okay, what's bad? It, it, it's just really, really difficult. And it's more and more difficult for people to make a living in this business every day because, 
you know, let's face it, people consume music in different manners than they did even five years ago. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but, you know, a million streams on Spotify is worth about eight dollars. You know, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's not like it was twenty years ago. It just isn't. It's harder and harder to to make a living. So I know that you are, um, I won't say focused on, but one of the efforts that you're into these days is your YouTube channel and content that you're putting out that way. How That's much? Right. How much of that is out of necessity versus, you know, it's just what you want to do? Well, I started getting into YouTube about three years ago. I was touring with uh, this singer-songwriter named Justin Nazuka, and I vlogged the tour. So I was filming everything and putting out these, you know, 10 to 20 minute long videos from the cities that we go to. So I go to, we go to Amsterdam and I do an Amsterdam tour vlog. So I'd show a little bit of the city, some of the venue, some of the show. And I really kind of fell in love with this idea of sharing my experience as a drummer with anybody who would be interested in watching and caring about it. And it's a different thing than Instagram. And especially nowadays, something like TikTok that's so short and condensed it's an opportunity to really express yourself in a different way. And, um, out of necessity, I guess in the past month and a half, I've been filming more drum videos since I'm actually kind of grounded at home here. Um, but I'm starting to enjoy the process of creating, you know, drum specific content, whether it's a drum lesson or a cover or, you know, just showing a quick fill that I use in my playing. I'm finding a a joy in sharing that with people and seeing how they're interacting with it. So I don't know where that's going to end up. You know, I, I don't know if my channel will become just a drum lesson channel or have some covers in there, but there are some channels that I really admire and I just strive to produce content. That's like that. You know, there's a guy named, I forget his first name, but he goes by the Orlando drummer. Oh yeah, um, sure, sure. There's yeah. another guy. Yeah. Mike Lessons. Yeah. And it's just it's great content and it's something that I appreciate. So my goal is to see if there's something that I've got to offer the YouTube space. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the Orlando drummer, uh, and, and I'm blanking on his name as well, but, you know, he kind of comes from a gospel chops um, sort of world. And, you, you know, his stuff is just like blazing chopalicious. You know, when I watch his yeah. stuff, I'm just like, holy shit, what is that? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And you mentioned, you know, Mike Johnston, mikeslessons.com. You know, we've, we've had Mike on the show and he is one of the, you know, preeminent online educators out there. Um, you know, the content that I've seen from you, I really like the vlog stuff because I don't think there's a lot of that out there for drummers. I think there's a ton of it for guitar players. Um, yeah, I know. I've seen that. You know, and I have too, and I love it. You know, um, you know, by and large, I don't care what kind of pedal board a guitarist is using, but I still find it interesting, you know, when they talk about, oh, you know, here's my pedal rig that I'm using tonight in Houston or, or whatever the case may be. So I really like Absolutely. watching it. So, you know, I think you may get some traction with that. Once, once anybody can actually tour again. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's the big, I appreciate you saying that and checking it out. Yeah, man. It's, um, you've got some really good content, um, up on your YouTube channel. And, you know, I, I think, I, I think it's hard again to get attention and keep attention. Um, and I can tell you firsthand how hard it is, you know, even just in the audio space with a podcast, you know, it's, um, it's amazingly difficult and we've been on the drum shuffle, super successful in our first couple of years. We really have by, by any metric, yeah, that's awesome. um, which is great. 
but it's just continuing the progression is very difficult. You you know what I mean? Like you have to have content all the time. It's got to be consistent. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to do, you know, especially a young drummer who's doing, you know, multiple tours, lots of recordings, um, you know, getting into (laughs) film and TV space. You you just, yeah. You know, you, you, you're going to find yourself working 20 hours a day, I think. But if you would tell us how, you know, all of our listeners, how to find you on YouTube and, and your web address and all that good stuff. So everybody can check it out. Absolutely. Yeah. You can look me up at John Foster drummer. So it's J O N Foster drummer. And that's my YouTube channel. That's my website, John on Facebook, John Foster Drummer, Instagram, John Foster Drummer. Okay, perfect. All right, so we're going to send some folks your way for sure. Now, I would be I re- that. oh, you're you're very welcome. Um, you know, I, I uh, Adam Tuminaro, by the way. Oh, there That's you go. Name. Yes, it just, yes. Just sprung into my head. Thank you. That is the Orlando drummer, and uh, if anybody hasn't seen his stuff, it's. Wow, man, uh, that guy has yeah. a, a, a second brain, I think. Uh, it's pretty pretty amazing. <laughs> um, I would be remiss if we didn't touch on, you know, one of our connections, and that is Los Cabos Drumsticks. Um, as you know, Los Cabos is my one and only sponsor on this show. They've been so good to me over the last uh, four years that I've been on the artist roster, but I noticed that amazing. Yeah, yeah, they're just absolutely amazing. But I noticed that you play the exact same stick that I play, which is the Red Hickory Jazz model. That's right. It's all about the barrel tip. It is all about the barrel tip, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, so, how long have you been on the artist roster with Los Cabos? I've been on the artist roster for about a year and a half now. Okay. Um, I, I've been playing Los Cabo sticks for at least five years and I've been a huge, huge fan of theirs. And for a long time I was, um, you know, hearing about other drummers that I knew connecting with the Los Cabos family. Uh, one of them is a drummer named Malcolm Holt from Vancouver. He plays with a group that was formerly called Youngblood. They're now, now called Blonde Diamond. They're really fantastic. Okay. And, um, he just, he put me in touch with Phil, uh, Phil Gway and said, Hey, you know, you guys should connect. And we started chatting and, um, you know, just, just touching base now and then. And then I saw the Los Cabos people. I saw Phil, I saw Stephanie at, uh, NAM. Okay. Would have yeah. been last year, NAM 2019. And that was the thing that kind of brought us together. You know, we were able to connect in person and I really, really like them as people. I really like their company, their products, uh, the way that they promote the drummers that are a part of that family and the way that the, the people that are a part of the, the drummers that are a part of the Los Cabos family are connected with each other. Yeah, it's it's so important. I mean, it really is. And they have treated me, you know, like family from day one. And, and you know, I, I wanted to get a little extra plug in there. Uh for them, you know, when, absolutely. when, uh, when I started the drum shuffle, I reached out to Phil and I was like, Hey man, I'm starting a podcast, a drumming podcast. Would you guys be interested in, you know, uh, sponsoring an episode or, you know, buying an ad or whatever. And he just wrote back and he was like, yes to everything. <laughs> Amazing. That is such a Phil response. I love it. Yeah. He was like, yes to everything. Tell me what you need. We're there. And, you know, they're full of support. It's amazing. Yeah. I can't say enough, um, you know, uh, about them. So I did want to mention that. Um, So what do you have going on in the the future? I know we, you know, we can't really make plans for uh, you know, too much in the future right now, just given the the whole global situation. But I know that you've been working on a record that's going to be out later this year. That's right. Yeah, I have a an instrumental duo. We go by New Roots, and 
We've been working, that's uh, N-E-W-R-O-U-T-E-S, New Roots. And um, yeah, we, we started writing music together, myself and this guitar player, Steve Poloni, for short films about three years ago. And during that process, we would find some time to just create a track that we wanted to for no specific purpose. And last year we were very fortunate enough to receive a grant from the Ontario arts council. Oh wow! In Canada, we have a lot of arts councils. There's the, there's municipal councils such as the Toronto arts council, provincial Ontario arts council, and then the Canada council for the arts. And there's a lot of really amazing grants and funding opportunity for artists and individuals who are starting out and creating music. So they're, they're essentially funding our debut album. That's going to be out in November of this year, man, that's incredible. Um, and you know, that's one of the things that I envy so much about our neighbors to the North, um, here in the States, and I'm not going to get on a political soapbox, but here in the States funding for the arts only goes in one direction and that's down decreases. So (laughs) How cool, you know, how cool is it that you're essentially getting, you know, a a subsidy to create an album that you want to create? That's amazing. Oh, man, it's it's fantastic. And I got to say, I've been a part of a jazz project uh, called Collective Order in the past that had 21 members and the Ontario Arts Council and the Toronto Arts Council fully funded two albums. Wow. And. You know, they are really amazing with supporting um, artists who are starting out and who could use the support, as well as artists who are established and, you know, just need that extra boost. They really are there to support us. So very appreciative for that opportunity. Yeah, for sure, man. That's that's so incredible. And, you know, when when that album drops, um, you're going to have to come back on the show and, and, you know, talk to us about that process. I don't want to give anything away six months before the release, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll absolutely get you back to talk about the record and plug that for you as well when it comes out. So we're that would lo- be fantastic. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to that. Um, you know, I, I want to switch gears just a little bit. I want to be respectful of your time. I'm not going to take up too much more of it, but uh, I do want to switch gears a little bit. And, and you may be like, oh my God, what is this guy doing? But, you know, I, I'm in my mid 40s. Um, and, I, you know, whether I want to, you know, face this fact or not, probably the better playing is in my rearview mirror in my particular career than it is out the windshield, if that makes any sense. And, sure, you know, we typically have, you know, and it's just a, a function of what I grew up listening to. We typically have drummers that are closer to the end of their career or the midpoint of their career than young guys like you. Um, and I, it's something that I want to do more of is focus on the younger players that are going to be the next generation's who's who in drumming. But talk to me specifically about, you know, your generation coming up. What are the things that you feel like are important to younger drummers as opposed to what might be important to me, if that makes any sense at all? Absolutely. Well, you know, something I'd say is that at your stage, you've got experience with multiple genres and you know what you like, you know what you're good at. I think for a younger player, it's really, really important to keep an open mind to various genres and to certain things like, you know, when I was studying jazz, I was a, I was a closed book to pop gigs that had backing tracks and click tracks. And then I started playing with some pop bands that had those. And it changed my playing and not, you know, not in a bad way. It, it gave me an opportunity to explore, you know, really curated parts and really digging into playing parts that were um, perfectly crafted for whatever moment it was, whether it was a, an eight bar little drum fill that I had, or, you know, a full solo at the end of a song, or even just a two bar intro into something. It really allowed you to, hone into, you know, 
what's the best part for this thing? And then playing other genres like jazz and, you know, singer songwriter stuff where I was exploring textures. I wasn't even playing groups. I was using, you know, brushes and, and just kind of creating a vibe on the drums behind certain songs. So I think what's important is just really being open to different genres and, you know, challenge yourself and, and build your technique, you know, watch these, gospel chop, gospel chop drum videos and, and people like Orlando drummer who are, you know, giving you really cool linear phrases, but then also be open to checking out things that are more textural and, and find out, you know, what do you mesh with? What do you vibe with? And, and keep an open book. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's really good advice. Um, I do because, you know, look, I grew up self-taught, um, I remember the first time I was ever expected to play to a click, right? I mean, I grew up in that, you know, rock and roll as loud as you can, as hard as you can. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, that's just where I came from. And, you know, that first studio experience where it's like, okay, you're going to play to a click track, man, that scared the pants off of me. I mean, I'm, I'm just not, yeah. I'm not even going to lie. Um, and it's not easy. Um, but the first time you, you know, bury a click in the studio, you feel a huge sense of, uh, of accomplishment. You're like, wow, I did it. You know? Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's just something we all as drummers should be able to do. Um, so if you're, you know, Absolutely. if you're not, if you're not practicing with a metronome start <laughs> because it's, <laughs> It's going to come up again, I promise. <laughs> it's, definitely. It definitely will. Uh, it's, um, you know, and, and I've got a lot of friends that play a lot of gigs to a click. And, you know, the, the singer, a guitarist will be like, oh, man, the tempo was wrong. And it's like, no, it, it was not wrong. You know, the metronome <laughs> doesn't lie. If it says yeah. 120 BPM, that's what it is. <laughs> so exactly, that's, that's and you know it's really amazing because nowadays everybody's got a cell phone, everybody's got a smartphone, and you can get some incredible metronome apps where you've even got polyrhythms that you can practice to, you know, or you can program certain tempo changes and challenge yourself in that way. It's not just a simple mechanical, you know, right left ticking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's important too, you know, I mean, I, and I don't know, I mean, like when you go into the studio and you're setting up a click, I like to have, you know, a shaker or a cowbell or, or some sort of, you know, um, the way I look at it is if it's percussion, it's like the world's greatest percussionist that never gets tempo wrong. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I totally know what you mean. So, um, I, I don't like the click or the beep or anything like that. I, you know, I, get a program shaker part and it's like, Oh, okay, cool. You know, that's highly musical. And, and, um, I don't know. That's just how I work best. Totally. Um, I yeah, everybody's got a preference and it's awesome that nowadays you can set that, you know, like I said, you don't have to have that mechanical ticking. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, John, again, I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, I appreciate you so much coming on the drum shuffle and talking a little bit about your career and what you have going on, um, as is our tradition here. And I think maybe you've already given us a lot of good advice, but you know, the way we wrap up every episode here on the show is to ask for a good piece of advice for other drummers, other musicians. What would you offer up as your best piece of advice? My best piece of advice, let's see, I would recommend that you take an initiative to finding new music, a new artist or a new song that you've never heard before multiple times a week and just keep your ear open to different music and see what's out there. Don't just be fed whatever playlist Spotify gives you on repeat or whatever your Discover Weekly is. Go look out for something new that you've never heard before. Man, that's that's great advice, actually. And it I mean, it just makes me so happy that a young guy like yourself, you know, just getting started in his career is looking at it that way, because 
I think the music industry suffers from being told, here's what you should listen to. Here's what you should like. And unfortunately, it's all fairly homogenized these days. And, Definitely. you know, it's uh, it expands your mind, expands your listening. John, one more time, give everybody the website and the social media links so they can check out all you've got going on. You can find me at John Foster Drummer, J-O-N Foster Drummer, on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and my website is johnfosterdrummer.com. Excellent. And I am assuming you are open to having folks contact you if they have questions? Absolutely. All right. Fantastic. Now, last question before I let you go. Are you doing any teaching at all? Are you uh, doing lessons? anything like that, that our listeners might be interested in? Absolutely. If you shoot me an email, I'd be happy to talk to you about doing a virtual lesson. If you're not in Toronto, if you are in Toronto or Los Angeles for that matter, shoot me an email and we can meet up in person, whether you want to get a lesson or just grab a coffee and chat. I'm open to it. All right. Fantastic. John, Again, thank you so much. We look forward to having you back in November when the album drops, uh, the new roots or the new routes, as we would say down here in the States. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. We'll, we'll look forward to uh, having you back in the fall. Thanks so much, John. Thanks for having me, Jamie. All right. Talk to you soon. Take care. All right, guys and girls, that is going to wrap up episode 104 of the Drum Shuffle podcast. Thank you guys so much for taking some time out of your week to listen to our episodes. We truly appreciate it. And as I say all the time, we cannot do this show without each and every one of you tuning in each and every week. We truly do appreciate that. As always, I'm going to ask you to hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Give us a thumbs up, a star rating, a review wherever you're listening. That helps us to continue our growth process here at the Drum Shuffle Podcast. We truly appreciate your efforts there. Many thanks to John Foster for taking some time uh, to come on the show and tell us all about his career. Uh, again, I think he's going to be one to watch over the next few years. And you heard him here first on the Drum Shuffle podcast. I'm, I'm really proud to be able to uh, have interviewed him for this show. Next week, we've got a great show for you. I'm going to be joined by uh, another young drummer who makes his home in New York City by way of Melbourne, Australia and London, England. I'm going to be joined by Rajiv Jayawira, has a fantastic new record that's out called Pistols. You're not going to want to miss that. He's got a really interesting perspective and backstory. It's going to be a really, really good interview. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We truly appreciate it. Hit us up over at thedrumshuffle.com. We answer every single email that we get here at thedrumshufflepodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can find more information about me over at jamieeds.com. Have a great week. And until then, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>